Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Hi, my friends. I hope everybody's having a great day. I wanted to talk about uh, time today. The time that people think that they are in, the timekeepers that we have to be, and how we can communicate with people when they are struggling with understanding time and space. And why is it really important? You know, it's, it's a big deal because it's comforting to folks when they think that somebody understands where they are in a time frame. And if they don't understand where they are in a time frame, it becomes really, really difficult to ever communicate. And I tell people all the time, one of the things that we look at with a person with the disease, especially Alzheimer's, that ha- any disease that has memory loss, but especially in this case, alls, the person themselves go back in time about, I would say, five to ten years every couple of years. So when you're talking with somebody, when you're living with someone or you know, you're you're having a conversation with them and it feels like they are always talking about things in the past. They're always talking about a job that they had or, you know, uh, a place that they lived, something like that. And we're kind of lost, like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, and oftentimes people will try to bring them back to the time period that they think that they should be in. And I don't think that is something that you should actually try doing. I think that you should just leave that alone and let the person be who they want to be at that point in time that they want to be there because it makes a difference to them. Maybe not to you, but it does to them. And part of the problem is that we think they're just... They're just having a conversation about days gone by. They're revisiting, you know, memory lane, thinking about grandparents that they, you know, still think are alive or uh, a specific scenario when they were kids with their parents. And they might refer to them in the present tense. And if that happens... The best advice I can give you is to just go with it. Just go with it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to get them on the right time frame. Because a lot of times what you think is where they should be or who they are at a certain place in time is completely different than that person's reality. And just as a as an example, I had a gentleman who used to talk about the days of him working in a coal mine. And 
every time I saw him uh, in this memory unit over, say, a week's period, he kept talking about that job. He had to get dressed and get showered and get out the door, you know, and have, have breakfast and get out the door because he didn't want to be late to work. He'd be fired. And, you know, he's in a memory unit. He's an, an older gentleman. He was, I, I think, at, I shouldn't say older. He was like 74, but uh, he had advanced Alzheimer's. And he really honestly thought he was going to be late to work. And so I asked him, what do you do, Bob? And he said, I work in the coal mines. And I asked him, how, how old are you? And he said, I'm 21. And I'm like, oh, wow. Well, you know, um, let me go check because I'm pretty sure I heard the gatekeeper up here, meaning the receptionist, um, say that they called in today and for some reason the mines are closed. You've got the day off. So you can go back to bed if you want or or go in and have another cup of coffee. But just wait a second and I'll go see. And I came back and I said, yep, it, that's what happened. They had some problem at the coal mine today and uh, the bosses are coming in to check it out, but you've got the day off. And he's like, oh, wow, okay, great. <laughs> he went back in, sat down, had a little more breakfast and had a couple of cup, cups of coffee. So that happens a lot. I would say that this phenomenon probably happens to 99% of people with Alzheimer's. I think sometimes it happens with people with Lewy body as well. Uh, Those are the only two diseases that I believe have this type of uh, scenario where the person honestly thinks that they are much, much, much younger. And so where do our experiences go? Where do our memories return to? Do they convert to a series of like rhythmic processes in the brain to a memory or or maybe a highly condensed storage area somewhere in our brain that we're we're trying to, you know, grab memories from, you know, like a storage unit or something? Or are we living products of our own time. You know, I just think it's fascinating to experience these folks who are somehow stuck in a certain time frame. I love, 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 love talking to people that are stuck in a time frame because it might be, you know, something as simple as a hairstyle not changing for 40 years or furniture in the house being unchanged since, you know, the early 60s. Um, Sometimes people will stay in that zone because it's a financial situation. Uh, Or it could just be that that's the era they were comfortable in and they want to continue to live in that time frame. And I see this especially if I'm working with someone who uh, has been in their house maybe since, oh my gosh, 1930 or something. And I'm meeting somebody that's 80, 90 years old and they've been in the same place and I swear nothing has changed. (laughs) The house kind of smells like it was, it's 80 years old, you know, and it's, uh, it's an, it's an example of people that just get locked in to a time and space and an era 
they don't want to leave. Now, honestly, I, I kind of don't have a problem with that. I was just discussing with Brian, my engineer, that the, that the world is changing in ways I'm pretty uncomfortable with. And I think I could say that everybody, everyone, everyone who's ever lived has seen the ebbs and flows of the good and the evil, the great experiences and the bad experiences, the happiness and the sorrow, the music trend that they like, the genre of music that they like, and they really kind of stay with it forever. I mean, forever. I I think a, another example in that same realm would be like, I am more of a person that loves the musicianship of music. So I really liked the rock era because of all the band members playing. I love jazz music because I think it's one of the uh, most intricate types of music where the musicians have to be like amazing because there's no vocals to cover hardly anything. Um, although they don't get much recognition at the Grammys or anything else. Uh, classical music um, has, you know, just, just beautiful symphonies and all kinds of instruments and stuff like that floats my boat. I don't much like music of today. I like a few People, I like Chris Stapleton on the countryside. I like Bruno Mars. Um, but in general, I haven't been a big fan of music for the new era. And by new era, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to date myself, the 90s and the, the 2Ks. I just feel like that's not, that's not something I want to take through the rest of my life. I will probably always listen to that same music. And so even in nursing homes, right now, if you walk into a nursing home, they're playing music from the 40s and 50s and 60s. And by the time I ever get to a nursing home, they're going to have to be playing music of the 80s, 70s and 80s, because that's what the genre is going to be for the baby boomers that you know, we're going to end up living in these nursing homes. So is it, is it a passage through time or is it that we're stuck in the place we want to be? And maybe not stuck, maybe not stuck is not necessarily the right word. Maybe we just want to stay with that time frame. And I guess, case in point, I would rather sit down and listen to an Eagles album, um, and their music was basically from 1972 to 1979, and it's still as relevant today when you hear it on the radio, like Hotel California and Peaceful Easy Feeling, as it was way back in the 70s. That That's 50 years ago, right? Holy crap. I mean, that's a long time ago. And or at least 40 plus years ago. And um, 
would that mean that I'm stuck in my time frame if I want to listen to that music or if I'm talking about the concerts or things that I went to? Not necessarily. And when a person with a cognitive brain situation goes back in time, the difference is they are not just appreciating that type of genre of music or the style of TV or the clothing of the day or something like that. They feel like they are back in that time frame. They're back in that day. And that's where the difference is. Those are the things that we can kind of see as as being the physical phenomenon that it is, right? So, you know, sometimes I think it's a it's it's reassuring to people that there's this sameness that there's things remaining in their familiar places or in their mind that um that get all these stories attached to them and they hear them over and over and over again and a connection to family and friends that they want to keep with them that they want to they want to uh, save as their lineage and their legacy and they they then take it to the uh, extreme and really embrace that moment and then they're lost in it and that's where they come to the place where I'm going to be late for work because I work at the coal mines when he hadn't worked at the coal mines for over 50 years. It just blows my mind. It blows my mind. And the the other side of this is that family members really struggle with this. So they feel like they are talking to somebody who is older and should be acting like they are their age, um, that they're 74, they're 80 or whatever they are. And they're just reminiscing and not embracing the fact that that person actually believes that they are that age. Where it comes to play in terms of a symptom is that family members won't realize that that person hasn't called them by name for weeks, maybe months, until I come for an in-home assessment and I point it out. And then they realize that they that person may not even actually know who they are. They're living in the same home with them. They're eating dinner with them every day. They're going for walks and they're having conversations with them. And they think they are an older aunt or an uncle or, you know, somebody they don't even know if you're if you weren't in that uh, release of time in the last 10 to 20 years. So they won't even look at grandkids and say, hmm, these are my grandkids. They have no idea who you are because they're not old enough to have grandkids. They'd be, you know, 20 years old. So if you're 14, 15 or something, that makes no sense at all. You're you're like a cousin or a friend or or something like that, a neighbor's kid or something. They don't ever put that together. And then when when that whole scenario is is you know unraveling and people don't realize and they're not able to really carry on a conversation with them or they're feeling the heartbreak of that person not knowing them at that point in time, they're not feeling the sadness. They're just where they are. 
it's just an important realization that I think everybody who lives with somebody with Alzheimer's needs to recognize. And it may or may not happen, but the chances of it happening, like I said, are probably higher than 90%. So if you're having conversations with somebody and they're saying the same things over and over and over again about a certain time period in their life, that's how old they think they are. Huge clue for all of you out there in my caregiver nation. It It is a... Uh, it is a remarkable, remarkable thing. So, by the way, I took a class the other day, and I realized after listening to some of my podcasts that I talk too fast, and I never come up for air. <laughs> so today, I am trying to do that. I got myself a vanilla bean cream frappuccino, and every once in a while, I'm going to stop, take a breath, and try to give you a minute to absorb the things I'm talking about and get a drink for myself and try a little practicing of breathing and not talking too fast because I know I do that. All right, so why is all this important? It's important because that person that has gone back in time needs you to meet them where they are. They need you to understand their excitement. They need you to help them through that transition. How strange would it be if an 80-year-old person thought they were 21 and nobody around them understood that. It would almost be like being caught in a time warp. It, it seriously would be like one of those movies where you're in a time warp and nobody seems to understand where you are or who you are. And it's like you've walked into a place where you have to ask somebody what year it is. It reminds me a little bit of those Michael J. Fox movies um, where he went back in time because uh, I, I can't think of what the name of that is right now. But uh, he looked up on the on the screens at movie theaters and would see that it was many, many years ago. And he was blown away because he was looking for his mom and dad and they were teenagers in this movie. And um, it's kind of that feeling for them. It really is. And and why why do they want to be there? Well, it's kind of like I was talking a minute ago about, you know, the music that we like and the and the TV shows that we like and and things like that. Right now, I think if you were to sit down and have a conversation with a person who's in their late 70s, 80s or 90s, they're going to tell you that they were in the greatest generation. They honestly believe it because that generation came about out of the age of the Great Depression and the Second World War. And they were united by a common purpose at that time. And not just a common purpose, but common values. And those values were like, 
serious. I mean, serious to them. That was all about duty and honor, economy. It it was all about, you know, everybody bonding together in the factories that they worked in to make, you know, ammunition and arms and food or whatever it took for all the troops that were overseas. They bonded together. The whole country bonded together like we have never seen. It was all about service and country and love of family. And above everything else, it was about, you know, responsibility for for yourself. Right now, everybody honestly kind of whines and cries and wants handouts and thinks the world owes them something. And people feel entitled or, or people feel like they didn't get enough or whatever, you know. But back in that day, those folks, they they were a generation that persevered. I mean, they seriously did. There was no whining. There was no complaining. Everybody just did their thing. They they were helpful to one another. You know, I kind of wish that we were in that place right now because it sure doesn't feel like we are. I feel like the world's kind of a little bit of a mess right now. But they never felt entitled, and they seriously applied themselves to create interesting, really interesting, creative, useful lives, and they built the modern America that we have today. If you need proof of that, just go on your um, local cable channels and watch, you know, the cars that made America or the men that made America or the electronics and ingenuity that made America. They've got they've got show after show after show on the History Channel about how the entrepreneurs came to create some of the things we enjoy today, like the microwave or like the banking system or you know who who created you know pizza hut and all that kind of stuff those people are proud they are proud 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 that they had anything to do with the the good values and the integrity that people felt like they had back in that day it's not surprising that they would want to go back to that I'll tell you what I would. I really would. And this is why, you know, I, 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 that, that that Bob I was telling you about, he is not an anomaly. I have worked with many, many people who want to report for work every morning. They still feel responsible for their families and they have they have dignity and they have this steadfastness about them that's seriously unwavering. Like a belief in hard work and applying yourself, you know, to problem solve and stuff like that. And and they had a kind of optimism about life and moving forward through difficulties that was phenomenal. I mean, really, even how they expressed their gratitude non-verbally by a smile or a handshake or a salute or something like that, you can feel the deepest parts of their souls when you talk to them. It's a freaking cool place to go. 
It really is. And that's why I think I love working with the generation that I'm currently working with. There are some exceptions. I have people that have younger onset, you know, that are in their early 60s or even their 50s and and they they don't per se have these same kind of things but the the people that are in their 70s and 80s I really really like working with them because you know oftentimes I find myself displaced like I should have lived then instead of now in the strange times that we're having. <laughs> I think um, I think it adds to the kinship that I feel with them because I, I feel sometimes like maybe I'm an old soul that likes things the way it used to be and, and still want to be able to um, soak up some of the greatness that defined these people that, that I meet, you know? Because I'm telling you what, they're... Their example is contagious. The the warmth. They like to think of themselves as the kindest generation. And I think to a degree, they really were. I think I think that the reason that they want to go back in time, the reason that, that they they do anyway is because it's a safe place. It's a it's a it's an easier time. It's a time when when people were were you know congenial to one another and compassionate with one another and it wasn't all about you know how many likes you got on Facebook. I mean seriously, it it's one of the gifts of Alzheimer's that chronological age is really irrelevant. It doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> They are who they are and they are where they are. And, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things where they, they don't even see themselves as older people or themselves when they look in the mirror, they see somebody else. I think that is incredibly remarkable. I think for all the crap and all the the bullshit that Alzheimer's gives us, it's one of the really wonderful things that occur that as much as it is strange and as much as it is oftentimes unnoticed until somebody tells you like I'm telling you, um, that we get to appreciate that. It can also be, you know, the devil's advocate. If you did something when you were younger and now you're coming back to a day when, you know, you're revisiting it, uh, your worst fears might be realized. (laughs) So with that, be careful what you do. It may come back to haunt you. We're going to take a short break and listen to a commercial and we will be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, 
we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. All right, we're back. And I've been talking about when people go back in time, and why that is important for you to recognize and why meeting them where they are is important on a level I don't think people completely appreciate or recognize because uh, I think that we plug along in our in our day and we don't really always do enough research about the disease we're working with or the person that we're working with and understand, you know, what's going on with them. What are the symptoms? How do we recognize where that person is in time? And I think these are important things for us to acknowledge, get some, get some information about and start working with it. So it's easier. Now, on a, on a different path, but kind of the same, um, there's a dynamic that occurs when families have time to prepare themselves for whatever that next phase is, and ultimately the departure of their loved one and their person with diagnosis their their mental capacity leaving them, okay? Um, if you can have someone who is really interested in learning as much as they can and wants to take the reins about learning about where the where the disease is going and you know really, Take the initiative to seek the information about what direction is this taking and where is it going to go. You know, if you could do this, I think that when the person is in the earlier stages, you have a chance to work with their lucidity to be successful for whatever needs they have. But if you enter the game later... Uh, you're going to have additional problems and you're going to have issues like I was talking about a minute ago where somebody um, doesn't know what space or time they are in. And 
you have to figure out how you're going to interact with this person on a daily basis. And if you are a, a adult child of this person, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. You're going to have days that are less and less productive. Um, you're going to have brothers and sisters that are floundering and aren't, aren't helping you with judgments and decisions. It can be terrifying to try to enter somebody's world if you don't know where they're going. Um, I think it can be incredibly scary and uncomfortable. And that person doesn't want to give up their independence initially. They want to stay in, in control of their affairs. Um, <clears throat> they might think about delegating you know, who's going to take care of the bank account and who's going to help me with getting to doctor's visits and all those kind of things in the beginning. But then once it starts progressing and things start getting unmanageable, they start getting um, confusing, where do we find the support that we need? You know, where do we find the, the answers that we need. How do we get somebody to maybe run interference for us on occasion if we're not communicating well with our person? Um, and as I was saying in the earlier part of this program, when they start, when they start losing their memory, when they start losing the years, the care is complicated. It is difficult because like seriously the the dementia itself is insidious it changes things slowly over a number of years that person is trying to conceal their challenges and children might be you know grow, adult children might be aware of the lapses uh it for a long period of time they may not feel you know compelled to act until that shift in their in their um, reality becomes too difficult or too dramatic to ignore. You can't deny it anymore because you see it happening and you don't know what to do. These are, these are big deals. And the, the faltering that happens in adult children to step into the power that they need to kind of learn and, and, um, coincide and compensate for that person. It's difficult. It is difficult. I get calls every day about people confused about bathing, people confused about the activities of daily living, their person's angry all the time. Last week I did a show about mood changes and, and things like that. And, and when when the person themselves can't figure something out, they hesitate, right? Uh, they don't understand what they should do. They, they literally are trying to answer what you need in terms of the appropriate answer to a question. You know, uh, you ask them what they want for lunch or dinner and they can't answer it and so on and so forth. All the while, they're slipping back further and further into the past and you are going further and further into the future for them. And 
there's that disconnect between are you my adult child or are you my aunt? You know, these, I really want you to embrace this, this podcast today because I, I bet I would honestly say that probably 95% of the people I talk to and the in-home assessments I do, the transition from that person, from who they are sitting in a chair at the moment you're looking at them to where they are in a, at a chronological age, that, that transition becomes much more difficult to address right? And if you can grasp this today, it's going to become more normal. It's going to be more understandable and you can incorporate it into your strategies that you use and your techniques that you use with that person. Um, because I'm telling you, it is imp- it's an important opportunity for you to Really try to immerse yourself in the mind of that person and lose the frustration that you would feel when you don't understand what they're talking about. You know, hey, we have our own problems with aging, right? We we are rigid. We don't want to change the way we do things, Um you know we're we're having challenges just adjusting to to the parent that we have or the the spouse that we have or whoever it is new situation and and it's difficult it's it's um you know it's a situation where oftentimes people get frustrated about stupid things things that don't really matter. Things where um, it frustrates you because you may think it's an unsanitary situation or something. Giving you an example to kind of bring this together. When a person won't change their clothes, they wear the same outfit the day before, or they won't bathe. Now, going back to the theory I was talking about of them going back in time. Back in the day, people did wear the same shirts a couple days in a row. You didn't do laundry once a week because if you did laundry once a week, you'd wash it in a bucket, right? Wasn't that easy. And you'd hang it on a line. You'd hang it on a line. And they, if they ate, they wouldn't eat very much because back in the Great Depression and that time period... You had to have enough food for everybody around you. So people didn't eat great big meals and a lot of food like we eat today. That wasn't even on their on their radar. And taking a bath or shower, we think that they should take one every day when they're at home. And I see people telling, the family members telling people at care communities that they want their loved one bathed three times a week. Well, they're back in time where the only day they ever took a a shower uh, and they didn't even have baths in a lot of places back in the day was on Saturday night for Sunday church. They'd only bathe once a week. 
So if you if you really truly immerse yourself in their thought process, you would understand why they don't want to take a shower every single day. Why they wear the same outfit every day. They they feel like they're back in a time where people just didn't do that. That was an overindulgence. That was an overindulgence. But for us in 2021, it makes us mad. It irritates us. We think they are unsanitary. They're unclean. They might stink. It's gross that they wore the same outfit twice in a row. You know, whatever. So the thing is that to be a successful caregiver with somebody with Alzheimer's, you have to recognize that the person that they were is the person they are now. The person that they were is the person they are now. And you're going to learn a great history about that person. You're going to have a chance to see what their life was like back in the day. If it were me, I'd get a recorder and start you know, really recording all this stuff because you can find out some great, great history of the person that you maybe never knew. I tell uh, clients all the time, get Dragon Nuance and have them sit down in front of it. It can capture more than one voice at a time. It's an app that you purchase. It's about $150, but it's a very easy way to... um get their thoughts down with them just talking. Now, if in essence, if you're using this um, Dragon Nuance app, it the idea is that you add the punctuations, like you would say, uh, new line, and then the it would start with a capital. If you were to say, to say the, uh, the room today is very pretty, period. And then you'd continue to talk. And you have to add exclamation point open quote, end quote, all that kind of stuff. If you do this and you use it and you have the person just sit down, you're going to have to go back later and clean it all up unless you have the thought process to say new line or new paragraph or something as they're talking so that you can kind of keep it all uh, from rambling down the page. But I think this kind of stuff is really cool. I mean, I really do. And... And another thought I wanted to throw in before we're done today is that as this person progresses, they start reacting to the overstimulation of the day and uh, all the people and the activities that people are doing around them um, feed their energy like a, a tank of gas and it helps them to to feel connected. It helps them to feel happier. It helps them to feel like they're doing something. It keeps them from getting bored and having frustration and the things that you don't want to have happen. Um, it will, it will help them to sleep better at night and it will help them to keep their balance a little bit longer there are a lot, a lot, a lot of benefits to 
being able to help that person be the best they can be if you can be where they are. It it just it just is a it's a pretty amazing phenomenon like I said. But I think that if you can embrace it and you can sit down and talk to them, learn a little bit about that genre, that time period and um kind of understand who was in power, who was the president that year, what were some of the things happening in that year. You can Google anything today. You can Google absolutely anything today. Uh, you know, find the clothes that were pertinent to that time period. Um, take them to a, uh, you know, if that person really did work in a coal mine and you have a coal mine nearby, take them for a drive by it. People love stuff like that. If they were a firefighter, take them over to a, a fire station and let the people know in advance before you bring them that this is a person that was a firefighter that would love to sit and talk with firefighters for a, an hour or something over lunchtime. I am a big proponent of taking people back to places that they used to work because it fills them with an incredible amount of joy. One really, really terrific example I can give you of everything I've been talking about today is I helped a woman move her husband into a military uh, Alzheimer's unit. And first, we couldn't get him in there because uh, they didn't have any uh, ability to move people into the rooms during COVID. They weren't, uh, they weren't taking new intake, so we couldn't get him in there. So he was in another community and this guy did well in the other community, but he was exit seeking all the time. He was trying to leave. He, um, he was an air traffic controller in the air force and he flew, uh, jets in, uh, Vietnam. So he was not only an air traffic controller, but he was a pilot. And so when he was at this first community, uh, he did okay. He seemed remotely happy. Um, he would wander into other people's rooms, but he wasn't fulfilled. He wasn't fulfilled. And so I kept calling and calling and calling. And finally I hit him on the right day and the military VA place opened up and had a room for him. Within 72 hours, we had him moved and she was okay with, uh, you know, you can't just leave a place. You have to give 30 day notice and you have to pay, but the VA takes care of their own. And if you can get them in one of their communities, if that person has enough time in the military, it's free. And so it's a great deal. Anyway, getting to the point. So he moves into this place. And now I talked to his wife uh, just this last weekend, and she told me he is in, in heaven. I mean, he just is happy as he can be. He's around other officers in the Air Force and other armed forces, and they all believe, every single one of them, there's like 30 plus of them in this place, they all believe that they are currently in the Air Force. And that they're just on leave right now, but they can't leave the barracks, that the general won't let them, right? But he he now has a new girlfriend, and she's okay with it. Um, he 
they they make their beds every day. This, these are things that we would they we think they've forgotten. But when they get in a situation where somebody is embracing their reality, things click. Okay, so every day they have to polish their shoes, they have to make their beds nice and neat, just like when they were in the in the military. They come down for breakfast at a specific time instead of sleeping a lot in the morning. And, and when she would go over and visit him at the other place, he wasn't always awake. Now he's awake all day. And they sit around and they play cards and they, they laugh and they talk, you know, about the war that they were in and they talk about their, their command staff. And, and these guys actually think that they are still in the military. And he is doing exceptionally well. He has hit his stride and he's in a place that that works with him as though he is 25 years old and an Air Force pilot. And I'm telling you, it's the bomb when it clicks. <laughs> Pardon the pun there for the military. But it's a remarkable, remarkable transformation and reality when you can 100% meet that person where they are. It's a beautiful thing. I probably didn't need a whole hour to talk about it, but it's a beautiful thing. So use that as your example. Use that as your example. And try to dive deep into your person's past. Know that time period. Know the genre of music. Know the movies that were playing at that time. Know the way people interacted with one another. It can be an incredibly fun ride. And again, one of the only gifts that Alzheimer's gives us. So open it and enjoy it. All right, folks, I hope you've enjoyed this. And I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.